I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hi, it's Demetrius. Hey, Demetrius, it's Mark. They're in. Nice. Taking it to the next level. Launching phase two of Gable Media on October 7th. 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 Hello. My name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Morning, everyone. And you're listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Jason, this uh, crazy weekend um, on the national stage, I'm sure everyone's heard about Trump's run-in with COVID. And uh, what jumped out to me, I have previously heard about him making a trip to Walter Reed and that was, I think that was the first time that I recall hearing the name Walter Reed. And I've heard, you know, it's a hospital that uh, presidents and uh, military and people have gone to. So it was like in one ear and out the other. Didn't really think anything about it. And then this time, it really stood out because people started talking about it more and more and going into more detail. And I was hearing more about it and... Uh, the, the entire facility is a 243-acre campus uh, with 100 clinics and specialty facilities, and it's run by about 7,000 staff members. 
for military personnel and their families, and it provides care for senior uh, government officials, including the president and vice president. So there's a specific suite, which is the presidential suite, and they call it Ward 71. And Ward 71. Yeah. I wonder what the significance of that is. I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure there's something. But it's a, and this is what stood out, and I was like, this is why I want to bring it uh, talk about it today. So it's a six-room suite, and it has a uh, ICU, intensive care unit, a living room, dining room, at least two bedrooms, uh, office, and secure conference room. So I think that's actually seven, but it says six for some reason. And then somewhere in there, apparently, there's a chandelier. Chandelier. Okay. <laughs> so it's a super luxurious space, and... It appears to me that this is only used very, it's very used very rarely. And it seems like a lot of space for a, you know, once in a 10 year use. So let, let's start there. What do you think about that much space being occupied for one president or yeah, one person every 10 years? Do you think that's an efficient use of space? Well, I mean, if you think about it logically and just from the top, probably not, right? (laughs) I mean, it doesn't make the most sense. But if you think about what it takes for the president, regardless of who it is and how we feel about those individuals, but just the president in that capacity, Mm -hmm. there's probably even, you know, if they're in decent health Mm -hmm. and they're just getting checkups or whatever the deal is, they've still got to have secure meeting rooms because they have to have conversations and calls, you know, if they're in capacity to be able to do so, to have those types of deals. Um, You probably have a lot of people staff-wise that are there that are monitoring things. So, you know, I don't know if it's probably being utilized the way we might be imagining it, meaning it's just like a resort and people are sleeping (laughs) and spending the night and hanging out, right? I mean, which it probably could be. Don't get me wrong. It's probably pretty nice. Yeah. But when you think about, you know, they probably have whoever it is and they're cooking food in there because you can't have, I mean, if you think about it from a security standpoint, Mm -hmm. you can't have random people just keep coming to this room. You know what I mean? So it's like my, my, I would imagine it's very isolated and hunkered down, right? The people that come in are pretty much in and that's it, except for some super high level clearance people that come in and out, you know, with guards everywhere and that type of deal. So I would imagine it's almost part of a floor that's isolated, which makes sense from a security standpoint. Correct. I don't know that. Trust me, I'm not a security (laughs) expert, uh, expert, but I've watched enough movies to figure it's probably better to have like a section that's, you know, whatever, jokingly, right? Yeah. Um, so that probably makes sense. Yeah. And then the family might be there or whatever, because then again, you got security issues for the family. You know what I mean? All these other kind of things that you're looking at. So I would, I would look at it almost as like a, a more of a security isolation situation mm-hmm. than space. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, that's kind of probably how I, I would, I would see it again from the top. Mm-hmm. Do they need 2,500 feet or whatever it is? Pro- probably not. But then again, if you look at it from a tactical standpoint, maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, in that regard, it makes sense. And then, of course, you're wondering if, you know, we know what the president is supposedly there with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so how close can people be or not? Those people were probably already within that realm anyway. So they probably were, you know, uh, exposed. You know what I mean? All, who knows? Yeah. But I think it's more so like an isolated scenario where they can still run the country. That's yeah. my guess. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, you're right that there's a, you know, limited access. Not even the doctors <laughs> have uh, full access to this space. 
there's, you know, they limit the doctors that can go in there and they're, you know, under close watch when they do go in. The ones that do, you know, they're, they have the background checks and they basically have to go through some sort of security clearance uh, themselves and they're pre-approved to have access to the space and to provide care. Yep. So the conference room, they have like secure devices all throughout and protection, like you mentioned, um, yeah. to allow uh, work to continue in the event that there is, um, you know, they're, they're able to continue to work out of that facility. Because I guess, I mean, like, what would the alternative be, right? Like, if you think about it, like, is it just having a wing or, you know, like a full-on emergency medical facility in the White House? I mean, that's a possibility, right? Yeah. But, but, there, but I, think, I think there would be a lot of upkeep in the equipment and all that other kind of stuff that you would have to be there consistently as opposed to you have a location where you're always doing that. Mm-hmm. And then you just, there's probably some kind of agreement, obviously, with Walter Reed that that section is for them and that's it. You know what I mean? Like it's subsidized somehow. Who, who knows, right? I mean, clearly, right? So from what I understand, it's uh, s- sort of run by the White House. In, in some capacity, okay. which okay. doesn't make sense. In in my opinion, I think I would think that you would just want that. So what I understand that. So from what I understand, the White House has its own medical sort of fit yeah. out there in Pre-eyes, the building. Trauma thing, something like to, that. Yeah. To some capacity, they can handle yeah. quite a bit there at the White House. Uh, but this is like a full intensive care facility. Yeah. I mean, which, like, think about it just even from, from a layman's deal, right? You go to the doctor's office, you know, one of my knee surgeries, it's like, okay, now you got to go get an MR. You know, we do an x-ray here, but now you got to go to an MRA here. And then you got to, you know what I mean? Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much stuff that could be needed that it's like, I don't think you can have, you know, quote unquote, one of everything yeah. there. You know what I mean? So to me, it makes, from an efficiency standpoint, it makes way more sense to have it on site somewhere else where you're going to have access to all of those things should you need to. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Instead of spending just like millions and millions of dollars on something that you may never need that only one person can utilize. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I but I think only one person is utilizing this. I don't think all the equipment's up on that floor. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you're that's right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, that, that's, gotcha. I'm sorry. So, so that's what I'm saying. So instead of bringing all the equipment from the hospital to the White House, gotcha. having to have the myriad of different things that would go, because I, I don't even know, but there's a lot of stuff, right? And yeah. like super expensive stuff, plus all the different, you know, um, protective things, right? From radiation <laughs> and this and that, all those other kind of things that go along with it. You already have the cell built for that here. So it makes sense to ha- just bring the person and some extra space True. there to the rest of that. So from a logistics standpoint, I would actually think that that probably makes more sense. Cause again, that's what I'm saying. I think the only alternative would be to have everything at the white house. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't in, from a cost standpoint and efficiency standpoint, to me, that doesn't make as much sense because I would, I would argue the equipment costs a lot more than that 2,500 you know, square foot suite mm-hmm. at the, at the hotel, you know, yeah. or at the hotel. It's got a deck pool. With yeah. overlooking there. Um, anyway, but you, you get my, you get my point. Yeah. So that I would just look at, I would, I think it would be worth looking at from that perspective. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Huh. Did I hit you with one sideways there? Like, no, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to look at, you know, the direct cost of like, are they really flipping that equipment, uh, frequently? Um, within the hospital or, or like, um, 
Yeah. Is that cool. is that equipment rotating quickly? Um, in that, you know, if they did have it at the White House, would they have to switch it out every whatever ten years just to have well, the probably, newest? Or probably not. But I think if you look at the medical facility from an in, you know as an industry mm-hmm. like, or the medical industry, it's yeah. billions of dollars. Yeah. So that to me means there's either a updates or newfangled stuff or whatever's <laughs> going on. I mean, every year there yeah. has to be right because it's a business. Yeah. So from that perspective, whether or not it's better now than it was 10 years ago for whatever particular machine there was, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I got to imagine there is because even cars get better year after year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty basic technology in comparison. Mm-hmm. So I would think there's consistent updates that have to happen to that. And we certainly know there's parts of the government and everything else where it's like you get grants to utilize those funds and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, Or federal help to utilize those funds and those types of things. So there's a reason for it to keep getting better and better. And there's a reason for them to keep rotating things. Yeah, or or updating or adding or however you want to, you know, and not only that, too. I mean, think about it. If you're at the White House, you're flying in doctors or whatever the deal is. What happens like if you think you need this, but also you need this specialist? Mm-hmm. Well, now you got to bring that person in, you know, imagine the checkpoints and picking them up and locating them and doing all this other kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So at least when you're there in the I remember when I went one time, I ended up having to get a plastic surgeon because of something like cut my eyelid, believe it or not, like just missed my eye. Yeah. When I was there, it was like, oh, shoot, we need this person. Well, I could actually get that person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's somebody on staff all the time there. Mm-hmm. So whether or not it might be the person you need but or the person you would want, yeah, they're available. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's there's a there's an efficiency and immediacy ability from that standpoint, too. Yeah. Again, I think the logistics make more sense. Maybe not from the financial side. I, I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Maybe it's wasteful to have that maybe needing once it once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if it's just the president gets seen there or is it the VP and the house and you know, all those other kind of, th- is it, I'm not sure. I, I, it mean? sounds like the president gets that. Maybe, just that. maybe the vice president. Uh, yeah. I think the vice president does have access to it. Where would the Jack Bauer guy in the, what was that? <laughs> what was that show? Where it was like 24. No, it was 24, but the other one he did, where it was the random guy that became president. He oh. was like the last of the last of the last. It was a great oh. show. I didn't watch it, but... Anyway, but he was like the random dude that like should have <laughs> never been president. La- became last president. in line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does he get to use it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, so I think without that info, it would be hard to determine. But just based off of the logistics and having the availability of different things. Yeah. Kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. As opposed I, I to think, having it at the warehouse. I think the thing to to me that makes the most sense of what you said is the flexibility to reach out to the different specialists because yeah. they're all there. Yeah. And, you know, the the headache of getting clearance or, you know, bringing them in maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I think the actual cost of logistics, it would probably be more efficient to have it there in the White House. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Like, but. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta think there's somebody that ran those numbers at some point, right? <laughs> That's well so, so this originally was in D.C. Uh, this facility. Originally, it started in 1909, mm-hmm. um, but in 2011 they moved to Bethesda, uh, which is Maryland. Um, so, <laughs> so not that, uh, and it's not that far. If any was, if anyone was watching the coverage, they took a, a helicopter flight in Marine One. It was like ten minutes or something like that, just really short flight, 
and uh, so it's not far. I mean, by, for all of us, just to jump into our helicopter. Yeah, yeah. So off, right? yeah. you know, <laughs> so if you if you have your helicopter out out front in your driveway, yeah, uh, exactly. it's just a ten minute flight. Um, but so so now it's further away, and to me, the logistics of getting the uh, your Secret Service and all of your staff it just sounds like a lot. Um, and then those people are going back and forth because mm-hmm. there's not enough space for all of them to stay. Although the mm-hmm. chief of maybe staff, maybe there is now. I mean, maybe there is though. <laughs> well, the chief of staff can stay there, and then the lead uh, physician has a, a room. I think those are, those are the two other rooms that are available there. And see, to me, that makes sense. Uh huh. From a security standpoint, that makes sense. It's yeah. like once you're in, you ain't getting out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we feed you here. We do. You know what I mean? Like the whole bit. Like whatever you need is here. Yeah. To just to just make sure there's no you know spy style movie crap going on. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. that just it, it to me it, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I think Trump is the first person because this facility opened in 2011, I believe was the first person to stay in this specific facility. Um, But he's the first person to go to the, quote, Walter Reed Center, including, you know, its previous location in D.C. in 39 years. Uh, First first sitting president in 39 years. The last president was Reagan after he was shot, which I do not even recall that he was shot in an assassination attempt. Uh, in uh, 1981, my son, more, my son knows more about history than I do. <laughs> Literally, like when we get asked a question, I look at him I'm like, "Hey, what do you know?" <laughs> <laughs> you you went over it most recently. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, too funny. So, uh, so past presidents that have stayed um, at the other at the other location were Nixon, Reagan, Dwight D. Eisenhower. So uh, Nixon was treated for a staph infection in 1960 while he was actually serving as vice president. Hmm. So, yeah, vice president. So there you go. VP can, gets, uh, gets access, go right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, 1968, um, after he left office, Dwight D. Eisenhower uh, went there for coronary artery disease and congestive heart failure. And he had eventually passed there in 1969. And then several family members and and uh, of U.S. presidents and high-ranking officials have. Uh, I think they go to the facility, like the entire but Walter the Reed. Yeah. yeah, not. But I don't think they stay in the presidential suite. Well, I mean, I, I don't think they can. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about that, that's why they call it that. Yeah. The fa- the family probably maybe a couple super high-ranking people, and that's probably it. Yeah. So it was just interesting to hear more about this over the weekend and and read a little bit more into it. Um, but again, when I first heard, it, I was like, "Really, six bedroom or six rooms, a chandelier? Is that really necessary?" The chandelier, the, chandel- the stuff like that is just dumb, <laughs> right? I mean, I think that I think that's just dumb. But when you think about it, when you start naming off the six rooms, right? Yeah. So you have two bedrooms, yeah. of sort, maybe three, right? So yeah. the president, like the master, right? <laughs> the president's. Uh, they said the physician, mm-hmm. and then what was the other one? And then um, the chief of staff. Chief of staff, yeah. right? Which makes sense. And then so that's three of the rooms. Yeah. Then you've got the the secure room, conference room four. Yeah. And then a dining room to eat and hang, you know, and and what? So when you think about it from that perspective, mm-hmm. kind of like 
Yeah. But to your point, if it's not used very often, it's a whole lot of unused space that's up cap that could be used more efficiently, you know, turned yeah. into 50 bedrooms yeah. or 50 patient rooms or yeah. whatever it is, um, you know, with a, with a curtain. Yeah. Um, so, but other than that, to me, I, I would say it probably doesn't set me off hearing that because mm-hmm. for whatever reason in my mind, and I'm like, whether it's Trump or it's whoever the heck it is, yeah. like left, right, independent, I don't care. Yeah. To me, from a security standpoint, I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, from the availability of, of facility, um, intellect, um, security, you know, all just being able to have a hub. That's really what it is, right? They're trying to build a hub anywhere they're going to be, mm-hmm. right? So your hub is there and it's secure. Mm-hmm. You know, Air Force One is a hub and it's secure. You know what I mean? Like all those kind of things. Yeah. I think that, I think it kind of makes sense. Um, maybe. I'm not 100% convinced. I want to look, at, have, I wanna look at the have, numbers. I'd rather have an ice rink at the White House than a, <laughs> than a, than a hospital facility. <laughs> I mean, if I ever make it, God, you know, heaven forbid, you know what I mean? I'd be like, no, 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 we need an ice rink. Like, I may be the only guy that's going to use it. But I could not have I would, if I would be you're... interested. I would be interested because they have a basketball court, tennis court, uh-huh. swimming pools, obviously. Do they have um, swimming pools? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty positive that because because a lot of past history presidents were swimmers. I do know that. Okay. Um, for fitness. Yeah. I'd I'd be interested as hell at seeing what their uh, like workout gym facility would be. <laughs> yeah. I really would. Like, it'd yeah. be interesting to see what that's like, right? So we're gonna. I know Obama played basketball, so yeah. they had basketball courts. I know that. Yeah. Uh, and he got taken out by the Chinese ambassador or something one time, didn't he, or something like that? Remember? I don't remember that. I'm pretty positive he like cut or something. I think there was something like that. You'll look at. I know you'll look it up. Yeah, <laughs> check it out. What, what were you gonna say? Uh, we're gonna do an episode on the White House. One of these. Oh, okay. Um, episodes. One of our longer it's, form episodes. It's timely. It's Let's timely, see if uh, see if we can get. We should get. S- see if we can get a tour behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> get some insider to give. No, us. No, man, we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, and then the last thing Mexican I Mexican and a black guy walk into the White House. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm good. Don't you dare cut that out. Don't cut that out. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Okay, I'll just leave it there. Um, so th- thank you, thank you for joining me, Jason. Uh, good conversation Are again. You sure? <laughs> To the listeners, thank you for listening. We I'm will, sorry. <laughs> we have an episode coming out uh, tomorrow, uh, so check that out. It will be on fire safety and fire-rated construction. And um, other than that, we will talk back with you on Express on Thursday. Thanks. This show is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your preferred podcasting app. It helps others find us, and your support is the only way that this show grows. And don't forget to connect with us through our Facebook community, Instagram, and see the random thoughts and articles that we share on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for spending some time with us. Talk soon.
Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLamey, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.